Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. And one of the fastest-growing audio podcasts. Thank you very much. The Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. I am your host. Got a huge show today. Maxine Waters may have stepped in it in Minneapolis. And Alan Dershowitz, professor, is going to be joining us very shortly on the show to talk about the $1.6 billion lawsuit that Mike Lindell is launching against Dominion Voting Systems. Whoa, that's big. And he hasn't spoken to anybody about it yet. So we're going to touch base with him in just a a few minutes and get his thoughts on it. By the way, Mike launched a free speech platform yesterday called Frank Speech. And apparently the last time I checked, and I know this has gone up dramatically, the last time I checked, 40 million people had watched it. 40 million people had watched an all-day broadcast with Mike Lindell talking about uh, his trials and tribulations, the fact that he's lost $65 million going after voter fraud. And I support the guy. And I sleep on one of his pillows. I, I do. And I'm, this is not an endorsement. This is not, I'm not, not a paid endorsement, but I've had one for about eight years. And I love it. My wife would like to suffocate me with it. <laughs> but that's another story. So Alan Dershowitz is going to be talking to us about this $1.6 billion lawsuit against Dominion. By the way, Dominion filed a lawsuit against him. And Alan Dershowitz says that, uh, uh, well, at least Mike says this could be one of the most important First Amendment cases in the history of the United States. Dershowitz warned about Dominion threatening the media, individuals, and businesses like MyPello over discussing their production or product in relation to the November election results. We're going to talk on all that. And, and they did. And, and listen, anybody tried to bring up anything, news networks, anybody, and listen. I'm talking about everybody who tried to do a story on Dominion were threatened with billion-dollar lawsuits. That's how they got people to be quiet. That's why you don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I'm not making a judgment. I'm just talking about a lawsuit. So we're going to get to that here. Very shortly, you know, Maxine Waters over the weekend uh, went to Minneapolis. Went to Minneapolis. You don't need to go to Minneapolis. If you want to make a comment about Minneapolis or the Derek Chauvin trial, but she insisted on going to Minneapolis and stoking violence, stoking violence. Here is some of her comments two hours before a thug fired on the Humvee of a couple of National Guard troops. But I am very hopeful and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that is say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree. But she basically said guilty, guilty, guilty. She will only accept a guilty verdict. Now, she's been doing this for years. She's been espousing violence. She said that if you saw a, a Trump cabinet member to get in their face... Tell them they're not welcome here. He, She went on and on and on. This is some audio of her during the L.A. riots, the Rodney King riots in the early 90s. As I stand here, nine people are dead. 
My last count last this morning before I tried to get some sleep was over 50-something fires raging all over Los Angeles. That's small potatoes compared to Minneapolis the fire- and Portland and Seattle and uh, Ferguson and, uh, you know, Chicago and New York. Fire started in my district and one of the largest was right around the corner from my house. Uh, there are scores of injuries and still anger and frustration and people who plan on staying on the she puts the ding in dingbat streets and expressing their outrage and anger in any way they deem necessary they deem necessary there so there she is initially saying in any way they deem necessary so if they deem violence and looting necessary She's cool with it. There are those who would like for me and others and all of us to tell people to go inside, to be peaceful, that they have to accept the verdict. Mm -hmm. I accept the responsibility of asking people not to endanger their lives. I am not asking people not to be angry. I am angry and I have a right to that anger. And the people out there have a right to that anger. We don't want anybody killed. None of us believe... But you just mentioned that nine people had been killed and you haven't said anything about them. ...and violence. But there are some angry people in America and young black males in my district are feeling at this moment, if they could not get a conviction with the Rodney King video available to the jurors, that there can be no justice in America. Okay, so that's 30 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. We're going way back. Another generation has grown up with a national murder rate 12.9 times the uh, national average. It's black-on-black violence in cities like uh, like lovely, lovely Chicago, where generally 8 or 10 uh, black people kill one another on a typical weekend. And again, I say this because I've been working with inner-city kids and uh, fostering an adoption and trying to prevent this year after year after year. And race baiters like Maxine Waters could give a rat's behind whether or not it continues because they never fix anything they don't fix anything they say things to get black votes then after the election they leave some money on the dresser and leave for another two or four years so there you go now this apparently has thrown a wrench a major wrench into the chauvin trial because basically the jurors have not been sequestered they are going to be exposed to all sorts of media and here's the interesting thing the judges said do not watch the news okay that's fine where do people get their news a lot of people get it from Twitter. A lot of people get it from other social media sites. Gab, maybe, maybe Book, maybe uh, MeWe, maybe whatever uh, on your phone. There's a million ways for you to get the news. So it's ridiculous. The, the judge did not sequester them, did not send them, do the trial outside of Minneapolis. So there's a million different ways that uh, this has been tainted. And listen, I haven't made up my mind on the Derek Chauvin guilt or innocence or what it's going to be. I, I, I have not. I'm not saying... Hey, George Floyd, you know, he deserved it. No, I'm not. No, I haven't made up my mind. Uh, in fact, I'm if anything, I'm leaning towards maybe a manslaughter charge. But I'm not a juror. So, you know, I'm not seeing everything that they're seeing. That said, Maxine Waters, with her big fat mouth, may have tainted everything. And if the trial is appealed, then, uh, then it's out the window. Here's and the judge. now that we have U.S. representatives... Uh, Threatening now that's uh, Chauvin's one of Chauvin's attorneys. And now that we have U.S. representatives, that would be Maxine Waters. Uh, threatening acts of of, uh, of violence in relation to the specific case, uh, it's it's mind-boggling to me, Judge. Well, I'll give you that. Congresswoman and Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. There you go. So it may result in the entire trial 
being overturned, apparently. Being overturned. So there you go, Maxine. You shot your big mouth off. And, uh, and you may have just, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Screwed the pooch, I think, is the, uh, the expression I'm looking for. Screwed the pooch. Here is the, uh, the state's attorney responding after the judge said that. Well, what's the state's position? Your Honor, the state's position, first and foremost, and this is a concern I raised at the beginning uh, of the proceedings, you know, well into jury selection, is that we can't uh, allow uh, statements like this, vague statements, to be considered a part of the record. On appeal, if there's a specific statement that a specific U.S. representative. By the way, just real quick, I love the fact that Maxine Waters may have really screwed things up because finally some people are going to be angry about her and her irresponsibility, and that includes people who support George Floyd and uh, you know agree that Derek Chauvin is guilty. She may have ruined it for you guys. Um, then there needs to be some sort of formal offer of proof with the exact quotes of the exact statement or some kind of a declaration. And I'm sure uh, Mr. Nelson can do that if he thinks that that's something that's appropriate. Uh, I don't know that uh, this particular representative made a spe specified threat of violence. I don't know what the... Are you saying that we can't light our torches and break stuff yet? context of the statement is i also it steal shoes because that's the ultimate first amendment protest thing that we do i don't know what television shows um uh, burn apple stores Mr. nelson is referring to in terms of apple computer stores not like a farmer's market any of this and so i just don't think that we can no money in that you know muddy the record with vague allegations as to things that have happened without you know very specific evidence uh that's being offered before. well i'm thinking pretty much when she says we need to get more controversial guilty 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 and if we don't get uh, if we we cannot go away we've got to stay on the street we got to get more active we got to get more confrontational uh we got to make sure that they know we mean business what does that mean oh no no that means we're going to get together and have some tea and cucumber sandwiches no it means that uh, we're going to be in your face we're going to throw hurl stuff at police we're going to wreck businesses we're going to burn the place to uh, 200 uh, for instance last summer 550 million dollars worth of damage the mayor of minneapolis and the governor of the state of uh, minnesota uh, approached donald trump and said will you give us 550 million dollars to cover damages and trump said no go screw yourself because honestly you rejected my call and my offering of aid with regard to the National Guard. So there you go. You made your bed and you lay in it. And it looks like Maxine Waters has made her own bed and laid it in as well. Here is Jen Pasaki. Are you ready for some hot sake this morning, ladies and gentlemen? She's a little Jen snarky this morning, to be quite honest. Here she is refusing to condemn Maxine Waters' call for obvious uh, revolution in violence. And you talked about how the White House is preparing for whatever that verdict is. Congresswoman Maxine Waters said over the weekend that they need to, we've got to stay on the street and we've got to burn, baby, burn. Get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they know that we mean business. Does the president agree? I have got to open a riot supply store in one of these Democrat bastions. It'd be like one of those Halloween expresses that they open up, you know, in the old Best Buy that went out of business. They open up around Halloween. You can just do one like in riot season, just open riot supplies. Get your riot supplies right here. With what she said about getting more... Make a mint. Well, I can speak to the president's view. Um, he has been... Very Oddly enough, the uh, bottled water and the canned goods are in the frozen section. 
Oh. Very clear that he recognizes the issue of police violence against people of color, communities of color is one of great anguish and it's uh, exhausting and quite emotional at times. Uh, as you know, especially when you work people into a lather on a lie. Met with the Floyd family last year and has been closely following the trial as we've been talking about and is committed to undoing this long standing systemic problem. What about uh, the just the culture of inner cities and the breakdown of the n- nuclear family and the violence? And you haven't talked about that yet, right? No, you haven't. Uh, his view is also that exercising First Amendment rights and protesting injustice is the most American thing that anyone can do. But as he also always says, protests must be peaceful. No, he never said that until it started to affect his poll numbers last fall. You are categorically incorrect and you are uh, telling an untruth which is also known as a lie the president of the united states and the democrat party said nothing about the two billion dollars worth of damage caused by riots from black lives matter and antifa in cities around the country the 27 minimum deaths and the thousands of police injuries until the fall he said it maybe one time and now you're saying it for him for the second time Uh, That's what he continues to call for and what he continues to believe is the right way to approach uh, responding. Lie, lie, lie. Here is uh, Kevin McCarthy, congressman, talking about uh, Maxine Waters and what they plan to do as far as censuring her, which means precisely a D-word for Richard. Well, I believe it rises to that level because Maxine Waters believes there's value in violence. This is the first time she's done something like this. Remember what she said for in the past administration for people to get in their faces, to, 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 to challenge everyone. And now what she has said has even put doubt into a jury. You you had a judge announce that it was wrong. She said to the people who want to see Derek Chauvin hung in the courthouse square that he needs to be found guilty, guilty, guilty. And it has to be of murder. Otherwise, they're going to be violent. I think this takes action, especially when she has a pattern of this behavior. To have censure simply takes the majority of the House. But what could happen if this was to pass, because of the Democrats' rules, she would lose her chairmanship of the financial services. So maybe then she would learn once and for all there is no value in violence. How about learn once and for all to leave Congress and go work at Walmart? Because you're 82 years old. The federal limit for uh, retirement is 65. She could have been working at Walmart for 17 years, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Newt Gingrich talking about how the culture of violence is changing the country and how it has to be rejected. It is absolutely unacceptable. Well, first of all, I don't think it's racist for a black small business owner to not want their small business burned down. I think this whole absurdity... Uh, that as a civilization, you either provide safety or you dissolve. And we've had both with Rashida Tlaib, uh, who called for abolishing the police and eliminating prisons, which is a position of utter insanity. And now, of course, you have uh, Waters, who has always been on the left. But what's happened with every passing, the more patient we are, the more radical they are. Mm -hmm. So you have over a year of violence in Portland, Oregon. You have an expectation of violence. Why should we expect violence if the criminal justice system works? Why should we tolerate violence? Yep. Why should we tolerate National Guard shut being it down. shot at? Uh, I think we have to really rethink our whole approach to making sure that we stop people from being violent, if necessary, by doing the opposite of what Rashida Tlaib wanted and actually increasing the prisons. You cannot have a country which cowers in fear 
uh, and which has radicals who wander around openly encouraging violence. Absolutely, because that is anarchy. That is not the American way, ladies and gentlemen. No, it is not. Maxine Waters said Republicans are trying to send a message to white supremacists <laughs> by criticizing her call for Black Lives Matter to be more confrontational as GOP lawmakers call for Nancy Pelosi to take action. And, you know, son of a gun, she caught us, didn't she? Didn't she, guys? I mean, I I was uh, just uh, sending a message to all my white supremacist friends on the old telephonic device over here because, you know, all of my friends are white supremacists. I've got friends in supremacist spaces. You know, uh, it really, yeah, white supremacists. You know white supremacists? You know what percentage of the population is? Point zero 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 zero. go on into infinitum. There, there, there's not a large... White supremacist or KKK movement in the country. It's a lie. And uh, and Maxine, you're pretty much a liar. Pretty much a liar. And a stoker. And a stoker. And a midnight toker. Anyway, so Maxine Waters also, in case you didn't know, asked for a police escort. <laughs> in Minneapolis. <laughs> As she encouraged protesters to get more confrontational. She requested a police escort for a recent trip when she told protesters to get more co- in protests. And, and basically, uh, the congressman requested the police or, uh, escort the night that she flew in and called for people to stay out on the streets. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, wow. And this happens all the time. And this happens all the time. And you've got the squad. And they're all calling for the police to be disbanded. Yet they all have personal security. And they have lots and lots and lots of money for their personal security. Unbelievable. Here is the ultimate race hustler. Al Sharpton, who filmed himself walking with a Starbucks to get on his private jet <laughs> to go to Minneapolis. Now, here's a man, and this is this is the Democrat socialist way to do things. You never build anything. You never create anything. You never do research. You never uh, bring a product to market and sell it. You never do. He's just a race hustler. That's what he does. That's what he's done his entire career. He's never built anything. He's never produced anything uh, but all he's done is stoke racism and lies, and and then he shows up, and, and instead of an ambulance chaser, Al Sharpton is a funeral chaser. He and Jesse Jackson, I, if I were a, a parent of a kid who got shot and Al Sharpton showed up and wanted to deliver the eulogy at my kid's funeral, I'd say, who the hell do you think you are? Yet I don't know you. My kid didn't know you. Uh, now get your butt out of here because I know what you're doing. You are using this so you can raise a lot of money for yourself and stay relevant, I guess, in the mainstream media. George Floyd was killed on May 25th of last year. I came a week later to Minneapolis and did the eulogy at his funeral. Yeah. It's not even a year later. Yes. And this Thursday, mm-hmm. I'll be doing the eulogy for Dante Wright in Minneapolis. This is why this trial is so important. Say, uh, am I free for next Thursday? I, I've got a funeral opening. I, I think we can work it in. Because it was not even a year later that death by police. No, but I, I tell you what, I think we've got a wake. Uh, Friday night we can get you to. This city. So we, yes, there will be an opportunity to speak publicly and gather more money. Do this global prayer because it has not stopped with George. Why haven't you been able to do anything about it, sir? You've been a mouthpiece for racism for 40 years, and you and Jesse Jackson have done absolutely nothing about it. But the one thing you did do is you moved from jogging shoots to $5,000 suits. That's pretty cool. And, and now you're flying on a private jet. Wow. When will people stop listening to these tools? Or fools. Either one. They're interchangeable. Interchangeable.
CBS has started the process of doxing Chauvin trial uh, jurors. This is incredibly dangerous and irresponsible, but not to be surprised. Uh, the jurors were supposed to be uh, able to do their duty without pressure or threat, yet CBS has already begun the process of doxing them. Here's a report on CBS News where you can kind of hear them nibbling at the idea of exposing the jurors and uh, making them targets. Well, they've been keeping the jury very tight together uh, as they're coming in and out of it. So we know that there's a tunnel system underneath the government center, and they've been bringing the jurors up through that. The only time the jurors have been seen within the government center is when they have lunch, which is in the basement of the cafeteria. Other than that, we got a list of all 14 jurors. Uh, their ages. We know their names. We know their ages. What they had written on some of their statements that they provided to the court before they were selected as jurors. So what we know from that, and that's really the only information besides being in the courtroom that I can can give to you is that from those statements that they provided the court, there's at least one juror who lives in Brooklyn Center. Oh boy, now we're starting to kind of uh, kind of uh, zero in near where Dante Wright hmm. was shot, kind of like a buzzard on a carcass, and killed by police just last week. And we know that there are a few other jurors, according to Eric Nelson, uh, who wanted this wanted the jury sequestered immediately when that shooting happened. White man twenties, multiracial woman twenties, white man thirties, black man thirties, white woman fifties, black man thirties, black man forties, multiracial woman forties. White woman 50s, black woman 60s, white woman 40s, white woman 50s. Those are the, the makeup of the uh, of the jurors. So now we're going to kind of narrow things down a little bit. Social security numbers coming at 10. In Brooklyn Center is that there are at least two or three other jurors who have connections to Brooklyn Center. Of course, Brooklyn Center just on the edge of the city of Minneapolis, an inner ring suburb. So wow. a lot of people do live there and commute into the city to work. Uh, so they would have ties potentially to that area, even if they don't live there. So that's what we know uh, about that and again we are at 14 jurors right now it'll stay at 14 through the closing arguments and then two of them will be kicked off because it'll have and when they are we will find them <laughs> here is the uh, mayor of minneapolis who uh, went to remember, remember he went to a protest and they booted him out and he was like <laughs> and he walked off crying he's he really is i mean he's like uh he looks kind of like the Canadian prime minister and as wimpy and, and uh, metrosexual. Uh, here he is basically saying that uh, regardless of the decision by the jury, George Floyd died because of the police. For being here today, as we await the verdict, there are several inescapable truths. And by the way, he signed off on a $26 million settlement with the Floyd family before the trial. Over this last year, our Twin Cities have experienced a barrage of trauma, all culminating with... I should call today's show the Democrat Toolkit, because it's filled with tools. ...trial, and then the verdict. There's been pain and anguish, anger and frustration that is undoubtedly acutely felt by our black and brown communities. Wow. Regardless of the outcome of this trial, regardless of the decision made by the jury, there is one true reality... Yes. Which is that George Floyd was killed at the hands of police. Now come on down to uh, protest outfitters where you can get all the things you need to burn down business and steal stuff. <sighs> the Detroit police chief is a man of color. He's kind of mad at uh, Rashida Tlaib because she's saying that there should be no more police. And I again, I'm saying that perhaps they need to have all the halfway houses for the serial killers and the murders and the rapists uh, put into uh, Democrat neighborhoods, uh, Democrat neighborhoods where Congress people who call for the defunding of police live. You know, because honestly, that's cool. We don't need prisons, right? We don't need no prisons, no walls, no USA at all, like they said yesterday at an Antifa rally in Denver. Here is the uh, police chief of Detroit, again, a man of color, talking about Rashida 
Talib's idiotic idea to get rid of the police. Chief, I've known you a little while now. You're, you're upset with these comments. What should happen to Rashida right. Talib? You know what? If I'd made comments on par with her, they'd be calling for my resignation. Now, should, I know we, should Rashida Talib resign? By a very small margin. I'm well, sorry, I'd Chief. love to see her resign. I'd throw a goodbye party. I'd, open, I'd have the party, Charlie. I'd throw a party. Let her go. I'd throw in for the catering. No. Who is she speaking for, Charlie? I'm a hell of a cook. Let me just say this. When you talk about abolishing police, incarceration, you talk about safe cities, what, what do you think the residents in Detroit want? I know, I speak with them. They're reckless, Charlie. So is she truly representing uh, the people or is she representing a fringe group? Now, what's really amazing is that the murder rates have gone up from 60 to 200% in large Democrat-run cities since the original call for defunding the police and since cuts were made to police budgets, and they're doubling down on it. Wow. Ultimately, just irresponsible. And we add another tool to the Democrat toolkit. Rashida Tlaib, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to fill this sucker up. We are going to fill it up. Oh, by the way, Seven-year-old girl was killed in Chicago on Sunday afternoon at McDonald's drive-thru. I mentioned this yesterday. Her name was Jaslyn Adams of Oak Park. Jaslyn was a student at Cameron Elementary School. She was nicknamed Pinky because she was bright and pink was her favorite color. Cook County Medal Examiner uh, confirmed Jaslyn of Oak Park was shot several times. What you don't know is that her father is a 28-year-old man. He is a gang member with a drug rap sheet a mile long. Marvin Edwards, the president of 100 Men Standing, a group advocating against gun violence, encouraged anyone with information related to the shooting to come forward. We're sick and tired of this. It makes no damn sense. And yet, we're focused on police shootings. That's where the money is. Al Sharpton has no plans to take his private jet to Chicago for her funeral, I'm assuming. So let's talk a little bit about the death of Officer Brian Sicknick. It took three months for us to figure out that he died of natural causes. Brian Sicknick was a Capitol Police officer. Five people died in the uh, in the Capitol riots. Uh, four of natural causes. One, uh, well, one died of a, a, an amphetamine overdose. The other one was murdered by a Capitol Police officer. We don't know his name, and charges will not be filed. This is a great untruth. This is a great cover up. This is a gigantic cover up. This is a narrative that I rejected immediately, saying that it was some sort of an armed insurgency. It was none of those things. It was none of those things, and it never was. They played it over the top. They tried to make it another Reichstag, which I'll get into in one second. Here's a media montage. Everyone convinced that Brian Sicknick, Brian Sicknick was murdered. This is just a month or two ago. A Capitol Hill police officer named Brian Sicknick was killed by the mob with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Fatally wounding Capitol Police Officer Brian. No evidence at all of any of this, but it led the headlines. Sicknick, who was struck in the head by a fire extinguisher. By the way, the uh, medical examiner in D.C., Francisco Diaz, said that he died because he suffered two strokes and he did not suffer an allergic reaction to any chemical irritants like bear spray. I don't know if you have done any studying. Most of us don't remember the Reichstag because we weren't alive. 
The vast majority of young people, too, remember to remember the Reichstag fire, but the tactic employed by Adolf Hitler sure bears some similarities to the Democrat leadership use of Brian Sicknick's corpse as a Cassius Belli for going to war against the people who dared support Donald Trump. The Reichstag fire was an arson attack on the Reichstag building, home of the German parliament in Berlin, on Monday, the 27th of February, 1933, four weeks after Adolf Hitler was sworn in as a chancellor of Germany, Hitler's government stated that uh, a Dutch council communist was the culprit and it attributed it to the fire to communist agitators. So the fire was lit. The people were enraged and Adolf Hitler was sworn in as chancellor of Germany. The day after the fire, the Reichstag fire decree was passed. The Nazi party used the fire as a pretext to claim that communists were plotting against the German government, which made the fire pivotal to the establishment of Nazi Germany. Um, the comparison is that it was a distraction against those who said there was a great deal of chicanery with regard to the election. And, uh, and it was all Trump supporters who caused it. Big, 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 big lie. So let's move on to some great uh, personalities on Newsmax TV and some incredible interviews, including uh, Grant Stinchfield talking to Sebastian Gorka about what happens if uh, Derek Chauvin isn't found guilty of murder. What happens, Dr. G, your prediction? Well, I think Professor Dershowitz is exactly on the money. Uh, we, we have some, and I'm so glad he used the comparison of the Ku Klux Klan. Let's remember that the Ku Klux Klan was an offshoot, the armed wing of the Democrat Party. It was created in the South by Democrats to intimidate, to use violence, and in many cases to murder uh, black Americans. So that the analogy or the comparison is fully justified. Uh, this, is, this is an outrage, an utter outrage. A serving congresswoman who's done it before, remember, she did it to us in the Trump administration. She said four years ago, if you see a member of the Trump administration in public, surround them, harass them. This isn't a one-off. This is the normalization of the violence that the Democrat Party approves of. There's only one party in mainstream politics that is normalizing violence, and it is the Democrats. But again, uh, let me just echo what, what the pre professor said. The judge didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. We know that the jury has already been intimidated. Now it's happening from Congress, from Maxine Waters, who Nancy Pelosi defended today, defended her incitement. We have, we have the insanity that the former president was charged with incitement to violence by the Democrats, yeah. did nothing of the sort, said march peacefully and patriotically to Congress. We have the Democrats actually inciting violence and Nancy Pelosi, yeah. the Speaker of the House, endorses that violence. There you go. And it's true. And Grant Stinchfield got it from him. Now, Grant also talked to a legendary baseball player, Pete Rose. Now, Pete Rose is uh, now living in Vegas. Yeah, what he does essentially for a living now is signs baseballs all day. Yeah, and he does really well. I actually got one from him in Vegas a few years ago, and I've met him a couple of times. He used to live in Cincinnati. Uh, here he is talking about uh, the role of sports in politics and how it's nonsense. What do you think about this move for professional sports getting into politics? Well, I think politicians should be into politics. I mean, you have to vote. That's an American dream, to vote the right way. But uh, uh, I don't know politics, so I stay out of politics. You know, matter of fact, when I used to be a player in and guys who want me to endorse him, I'm saying to myself, well, he's going to win 52% of the vote. 
However, that means 48% don't like him. And I don't need that 48% coming to the ballpark and taking it out on me, the fact that um, my man won and their man lost. So I always stayed away from buying. A lot of politicians were friends. You know, I met seven presidents. Uh, but I stayed away from endorsing different people over all the years I played. Well, that's probably a good idea if you want to sign baseballs for both sides of the political equation. Here is Grant talking about something that happened to him over the weekend that was pretty darn sweet. Got to hang out with the president, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. I had the thrill of a lifetime over the weekend. And I don't say this to brag. I only say this because I'm humbled. I got the opportunity to stay at Mar-a-Lago. And guess what? It was a huge event. There was a Lincoln Day dinner there, and the president was there. I hear the president likes to watch my show on Newsmax and... uh, I'm not thrilling. I'm pretty much free weekends uh, for the foreseen future. Pompeo was there. So many others. Take a look at the energy. We can do queen or king size bed. I don't care. In the room here for President Trump. I am telling you, anybody who's anybody, if you're an America first candidate, you are now going through Mar-a-Lago. Now, the other photo that started to go viral was this one of the president and Governor DeSantis at the same table. Look at that. 2024, maybe. I've got a golden ticket. President, possible vice president. And my other favorite photo of the evening was me, Amy, my fiance, and my buddy Lee Lipton and his wife, Erica. We had a great time. Oh, wait a second. Who's that in the middle? Yes, it was President <laughs> Trump. I love that uh, Grant Stitchfield, and he's a, he's a great guy, that he's a little starstruck. Got to meet the president. This is pretty cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So uh, on the National Report, Rick Grinnell used to be the ambassador to Germany, among other things. Um, He spoke about Joe Biden's declining mental faculties. Now, voters in Texas, 6th Congressional District, going to be taking part in a special election next month to fill the seat vacated by late Representative Ron Wright, who succumbed to COVID in February. 38% of registered voters in that district said Biden is likely suffering from dementia or some sort of cognitive ailment. An additional 15% said they didn't know or refused to answer. That works out to a majority of 53% of voters who were unwilling to buy into the White House narrative surrounding the president's physical and mental fitness to hold office. Here is Rick Grinnell talking about something very strange going on in Washington, D.C. and the White House. Something odd is happening because it seems that they're trying to push Kamala Harris out front, especially on foreign policy issues. She's been taking calls with world leaders. Um, I can tell you world leaders um, are always disappointed when they have to talk to the vice president. That's just the reality. Uh, They want to talk to the president. And when they don't get to, that's a a sign (laughs) that uh, they didn't get the full respect. And so... Uh, the ember is not only naked, he's on a parade float with a marching man out in front, uh, a pole in the middle for dancing, and uh, spotlights. There's no question that, that the Japanese were, were disappointed, and this is not to say anything about uh, vice Wouldn't you be disappointed uh, meeting with Kamala Harris? <laughs> I mean, even if the president wasn't there, if she wasn't even the president or the vice president, she'd still be like, oh, God. President Kamala Harris, this happens <laughs> whoever the vice president is. It's... Yeah. Uh, a, a sign that you're not getting the top person to speak to. And uh, that goes without saying for, for multiple administrations. I also am troubled by the fact that Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, said that she hadn't talked to uh, the 
president, President Biden, that morning, and it was already like 1130 in the morning. Um, he's President like, Biden, what do you wear under your clothes? Eh, depends. Sleeping in, he's not working in the morning, something uh, is going on. And I think what we have to be able to do is just step back and evaluate how this looks for the United States of America, not be partisan about it, but when the president's clearly sleeping in and, and not working in the morning, uh, and missing the arrival of uh, the a head of state, especially coming from Japan when we have so many issues with China and that yeah. region. Yeah. Um, it's very troubling. And I think the reporters in Washington need to start asking more probing questions. Yeah, because it's fairly obvious there's something very wrong. And if you don't believe me, just go back and look at all of the foibles, all of the mistakes, all of the slip ups, all the space off. It, come on. Come on. A little bit more from Rick Grinnell. Joe Biden has this kind of lingo. You know, he says, come on, man. Yeah. He's, he's always trying to be uh, dude man bro with so many people. <laughs> and he's, you know, been around Washington, D.C. for 40 plus years. Uh, it, it, it always is a little bit odd. But this is Joe Biden. Some people like that. Um, his lingo, I think. It's not funny anymore. Uh, is less troubling than his actions. His actions are much more troubling. And I, I think that it's becoming increasingly clear that um, he's not up to the job, mm -mm. that he's not able to give his full energy. He doesn't have enough energy for this job. And now we have not only White House staffers that are covering for him for being missing in action or slow. Remember, he stumbled going up. The or his wife leading him in interviews. The stairs. Um, we have a variety of pieces of information showing that he just is ill-equipped in his age to to give the full force of governing the country, the greatest country in the world. And so we we have to be able to be very clear with. Uh, Let's be adults. OK, let's just be adults and knock it off with the covering up and everything and knocking off with the, the trying to make sure, you know, that every, the obvious isn't true. How about that? How about that? Okay, let's move on to Greg Kelly. He had uh, uh, Representative Devin Nunes on the uh, show, and he spoke to uh, the congressman about uh, Brian Sicknick and the fact that it comes out he died of natural causes during the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Well, I think most of the non-fake news actually knew this almost right away because, of course, the fake news can cover up all they want. And it does. We all know each other around here. We, we talk to the Capitol Police officers every single day, either me, my colleagues, staff. So we knew right away that this wasn't true. Some of the non-fake news outlets actually reported that the family uh, didn't believe this. So the sad thing here is, is that they hid the cause of death from his family. This is a gigantic cover-up by the Capitol Police, by the Justice Department, and by the Democrat Party. They trivialized the death of of one of our officers here, which was wrong. An attempt to blame followers of a presidential candidate for the death of a police officer. Wow, just wow. Tom Clancy couldn't dream up this stuff. He used it for political purposes, and he didn't deserve that. The family didn't deserve that. And I think if you put that in retrospect, Greg, to the attack that occurred here just a couple weeks ago, where you had a guy get out of a car, I think use the car to hit one of our police officers. But of course, that's Farrakhan follower, radical uh, Islamist. Story died almost immediately. Why? Because it appears like he was probably radicalized uh, with radical Islam. Mm. And we still don't know the facts of that case either. So there's a whole lot of secrecy around here. 
And the Democrats are always good for one thing. If it doesn't fit their narrative, they hide the facts. And unfortunately, most of the news media allows them to do that also. Pretty much. And another thing, Ashley Babbitt was a 34-year-old uh, Navy, I believe Navy veteran, and she was crawling through a window unarmed and was shot point-blank range, shot dead by a Capitol Police officer. There is no recourse. There are no charges against the officer. And they are covering up his name. Sir, can I ask you this? Ashley Babbitt, um, unarmed Trump protester, should not have uh, been trespassing at the Capitol. But as you know, she was shot and killed. And talk about things that people don't seem to care about. I mean, this story has been kind of swept away. Uh, are Republicans still on Capitol Hill talking about this? Are we going to get answers? Because I think that Capitol Hill police officers has some questions that he should be answering. Well, look, that, that's exactly the case. And it's another example of this two-tiered justice system. You see it across the board, whether you go back to how some people get uh, busted for rioting, like they did at the Capitol, but yet you have federal buildings burning all over the place, they don't get busted. The same is true for this. You see police officers all over the country now that are under attack uh, with violence, with riots, and it's becoming a very dangerous profession outside of, of the swamp here in Washington, D.C. So then when you have somebody unarmed get shot, people want answers. I mean, the whole situation is unfortunate what happened here in the, happened here in the Capitol. Uh, but I think we all have. But it's been blown completely out of proportion when you consider the $2 billion worth of damage were done to American cities last summer. Thousands of dollars worth of damage was done to the Capitol, and they reopened two hours later. And one person died of a drug overdose, one person was murdered, and the other three died of natural causes. Remember, if we're trying to do the right thing for the country, if we want people to have trust in government, trust in our institutions, everyone needs to be treated equally under the law. And we no longer have that in this country, as you are well aware, because conservatives and Republicans yeah. have a totally different standard uh, compared to if you're a liberal and you're supporting liberal causes. The uh, swamp needs to be drained, raised, and paved over. It, it just does. And that's what the American people want. And that's what they wanted in 2020, by the way. They did, and they still do it. The fire is still burning. It is. Trust me on this. I know. I know. Let's talk to uh, Alan Dershowitz, shall we, about this $1.6 billion lawsuit by Mike Lindell against uh, against Dominion Voting Machines. Let's get him on the horn, shall we? Hello? Good morning, Professor. How are you? It's Rob Carson. Hi. Nice to talk to you. Well, I, you're so busy. I thank you so much for the time. I've seen a lot of your comments on Newsmax the last 24 hours, so I appreciate you taking the time. I want to get to the uh, sure. Der Derek Chauvin and Maxine Waters in a second, but yesterday Mike Lindell launched uh, Frank's speech. Mike Lindell has launched a $1.6 billion lawsuit uh, in, in, I guess, uh, to take on Dominion because Dominion launched the same suit against him. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what he's trying to accomplish here? And I'd like to hear your thoughts on what grounds he has. He's trying to take the case out of the courts and put it back to the court of public opinion where it belongs. Uh, he believes, he honestly believes that Dominion uh, did not do a proper job in counting votes in the presidential election. He may be wrong, he may be right. First Amendment doesn't distinguish between good ideas and bad ideas. He has the perfect right to criticize a government actor. And let's remember, Dominion is acting as the government in this case. They had delegated to it by the government the ability to count the votes in a presidential election. Nothing can be more governmental or more important or more subject to uh, criticism. So. Uh, Lindell wants to continue to criticize. 
He wants to continue to argue in the court of public opinion. And what Dominion is doing is they're in the court of public opinion. They're arguing. They're trying to get his my pillow taken out of stores, but they want to shut him down. They don't want to allow him to go on network television. Networks aren't allowing him on because they're afraid that he will be sued and they will be sued by Dominion. So Dominion is engaging in lawfare against the First Amendment, and Lindell is fighting back, and I'm helping him on First Amendment issues. Do you wonder why there is no curiosity with regard to uh, Mike Lindell's charges of voter fraud uh, from the mainstream media? There's, there seems to be no curiosity. There was never a question asked by most. They just assumed that it was completely on the up and up. Yeah, and especially since uh, uh, Dominion will not allow its source codes or its machines to be examined, you'd think that the media would be the first ones to want to look at <laughs> how a governmental organization conducted an election, but they showed no curiosity. <laughs> if the result had been the opposite, I suspect there'd be a lot of curiosity by the media, but the media generally has been quite one-sided. In fact, when Lindell's suits are reported, the media always says, of course, there's no basis for the charge that yeah. there was anything wrong with Dominion, but maybe he has a First Amendment right. Well, we'll find out uh, about the merits once the debate is opened up. You can't decide the merits of a case without knowing the facts. And what Lindell is interested in is in getting all the facts and having people have open minds. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter or somebody who's a Republican. Yes, I'm here on behalf of the First Amendment. Uh, I want to make sure that all sides have the ability to express their views in the marketplace of ideas. Let's move on to uh, um, uh, Maxine Waters flying to Minnesota to make comments about Derek Chauvin and how he should be guilty, guilty, guilty. The White House seems to be separating themselves from her, and she's saying that uh, she didn't mean anything uh, by it. It wasn't violence. CNN, Don Lemon saying the same thing, that we'd have to be a fool to think that she's espousing violence. <laughs> Your thoughts on Maxine Waters and what she did in Minnesota? Well, the worst thing is not whether she has passed violence. The worst thing is she wanted to talk directly to the jurors. Uh, she wanted to be the other prosecutor in the case. And what she said to the jurors, essentially, and the jurors could listen because they weren't sequestered at the time, was unless you find him guilty of murder, not manslaughter, murder, unless you find him guilty of murder, we will take to the streets. There will be repercussions. It will have impacts on businesses, maybe your businesses. So she put the heavy, heavy thumb on the scale of justice um, and she took it right out of the playbook of the Ku Klux Klan. Yes, yes. They used to do that in the 1920s and 30s. They would gather outside of the courthouses, and they would threaten uh, all kinds of uh, repercussions if a, a white man were ever to be convicted or a black man were ever to be acquitted. And uh, the Supreme Court reversed some cases on that. And the judge yesterday said that this case may very well be reversed based on what Maxine Waters and others uh, have said and what influence they may have had on the jury deliberations. And the judge should have had the courage himself to declare a mistrial, but if he did, he'd be blamed for the ensuing violence, although it would have been Maxine Waters' fault. But if it's then reversed six months from now by a court of appeals, well, there won't be as many crowds on the street. But I suspect we'll see the courts look very hard at the outside influences on any verdict in this case, if there is a verdict of conviction, which I expect there will be. Well, this judge made some very odd decisions to keep the trial in Minneapolis, also to not sequester the jurors, to just say to the jurors, don't watch any media <laughs> when everything no, is... he didn't even say, he didn't say don't watch any media, he said don't watch the news. Ah. Uh, so they could watch media, <laughs> and there were, in fact, a couple of programs 
that were not news programs that dealt with this case. And also, they could read the Internet and they can listen to family members. The usual instructions are do not speak to anybody, do not listen to anything that could conceivably affect this case. There should have been sequestration. The case should have been taken out of Minneapolis. The trial should have been postponed, especially after the city settled the case for 20-something million dollars. So I think we're going to see some very significant appellate issues uh, in this case if there is a conviction. So if there is a conviction, you're going to see an immediate appeal of this, and then the judge is saying, okay, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me ask you real quick. I'm, I'm curious because we are talking about uh, uh, Maxine Waters and how she uh, uh, is uh, very, very related to what your the, the title of your book, Guilt by Accusation. I'm curious about the book. Oh, I yeah. just I just ordered it. Tell me about the book, please. Well, yes, you probably know I was accused by a woman I never met and never heard of yes, having sir. sex with her, and she was like 18 or 19 years old. I've had sex with no one other than my wife during the relevant time period. Mm-hmm. I never met this woman, never heard of her, and was able to prove by getting her own email. She was trying to suppress emails. She was hiding them, and her lawyers were helping her hide them. And the emails proved that she never even heard of me. She made up the whole story. Her own lawyer is on tape saying she's wrong, simply wrong. You couldn't have been in the place that she said you were in. Her other lawyer called her a liar. Uh, Her best friend said she was pressured into naming me, uh, even though she had never previously accused me. When she told the FBI who she had sex with, she explicitly omitted uh, my name. So I'm totally and completely innocent. And yet, because I was accused, I've been canceled by the 92nd Street Y, by other places. And so I decided to write a book called Guilt by Accusation, which lays out all the facts of my case. I have an appendix which has all the tape recordings, all the emails, anything necessary to prove my innocence. Anybody reading the book will know that there's no, there's no case here. There's not only no fire, there's no smoke. But in the, on the other hand, today, if you're accused, you're guilty. And that's uh, Maxine Waters as well. Uh, yeah. If you're accused, you must be guilty. Well, there there does seem to be a, a good deal that's certainly coming from the left in this country. And as people uh, gain more, uh, a more high, and you've been a high profile figure for a number of years, you, yeah. you really put yourself out there and you become a target. We've seen this time and time again with uh, new members of Congress, Marjorie but I'm Taylor. But fighting back. You know, it's, good. it's much easier to fight back if you've done nothing wrong. Good. Uh, there are other people who've been accused, um, and they're not fighting back. Um, and that's interesting. You wonder why they're not fighting back. I'm fighting back. I want every piece of paper, every document revealed in this case, because everything that's revealed will prove my innocence. Whereas people who have something to hide, like, uh, for example, Leslie Wexner, who was the person who was um, extorted. They they tried to had a plot to extort a billion dollars from him. He doesn't want to be he doesn't want to testify. He doesn't want to be subpoenaed. Uh, And and my accuser is trying to stop him from being subpoenaed. They're trying to suppress evidence. I'm trying to reveal evidence. That's usually a pretty good sign who's innocent and who's guilty. The people who want the evidence out are, are innocent. The people who want to suppress the evidence have something to hide. This must be, uh, and we'll wrap things up in a second, this must be terribly trying for not only you but also your family uh, that you would be oh, yeah. my, you'd be attacked like this. Yeah. yeah, my family, of course, who knows me, is completely supportive. But, uh, yes, I'm attacked. I'm called names on the Internet. Again, people don't care what the facts are, what the evidence is. Uh, people say, hey, he defended President Trump uh, on the floor of the United States Senate. He must be a pervert or something. Yes. So, you know, people jump to those conclusions and associate your political views with other views. Uh, I categorically did absolutely nothing wrong, and I'll continue to assert that and, and, and defend myself and produce all the evidence. We're getting more and more evidence as the, uh, as the months go by. 
And ultimately, when it comes to trial, the case will be a very simple one. She lied. I told the truth. That's the end of it. She should go to jail for perjury. I love it. Very good. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time today. I know you're very busy. I'm looking forward to receiving your book, and uh, I wish you the very best. Have a great week, sir. Well, thanks. Pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. All right. You. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Okay, there you go. Alan Dershowitz joining me here on the, uh, on the show, and uh, thank you for that. And good luck to Mike Lindell. I really, really wish him the best. By the way, the last time I checked yesterday on Frank's speech, Mike Lindell had 40 million views. 40 million views around the world. That's gigantic. Oh, by the way, um, Parler is back on Apple, by the way. Parler is back on Apple. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, promoting this because you know, you know, I, I know the company. Uh, I always looked at them as a free speech app, and they are back, and they had been censored. Unfortunately, Parler has decided to censor me. They booted me from their site altogether. They deleted my account without telling me what this was all about. I post the same things on all of my websites, all of my, all of my social media, my Gab, my MeWe, my, um, my page, my, uh, let's see, MagaBook. Uh, what else? I'm going to be on, uh, on Frank's speech, by the way, Twitter and Facebook. All the same stuff. And yet Parler, the free speech supposed victim of, uh, of uh, censorship, decided to remove me without explaining what was going on. So I'm waiting for their response. They did send me a response. They just didn't tell me what bugged them so much. By the way, the families of Michael Brown and Breonna Taylor, two of the ironic, uh, iconic victims of the uh, BLM movement, are questioning the funding of the movement. Taylor's family calling the uh, Louisville, Kentucky BLM branch a fraud, by the way, a fraud. Father of Michael Brown, an 18-year-old shot by police in Ferguson, Missouri, said, where's all the money going? By the way, a review of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is financial documents found the group raised nearly $100 million in 2020. $40 million was spent in the last year. And their founder, who is a devout Marxist, has four homes. Yeah, one in a 1.8% uh, black neighborhood uh, that costs $1.4 million. Never lived in a million-dollar home. It's got to be kind of cool, you know. But it's got to be kind of cool. Oh, by the way, a Democrat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer traveled to Florida a month ago for personal reasons, apparently. The revelation comes on the heels of the governor defending two of her top advisors. Visiting Florida and Alabama for spring break just days earlier, Whitmer called on Michiganders to forego traveling to Florida due to coronavirus variants. Mm -hmm. Finally, a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of viewer mail because the show now is being heard in 32 countries. Yeah, and, uh, and my show is also being shown on the... Uh, the Newsmax Facebook page. It is also being shown on the Newsmax YouTube page. And then, of course, the audio program is on NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts. From Levi, need more Carson. Has the chops. He's humorous. He reminds me of someone. He could do a 12 to 3 radio show. Huh. Who's he talking about? John says, I appreciate the humorous approach taken. Uh, no more censorship says we need this guy once a day. You got me right here, baby. Yeah. Anika says I love this man's commentary. Zoom, zoom. Carson's delivery is spot on. Great. Excellent commentary. Thank you, Mom. I mean, zoom, zoom. You're awesome. <clears throat> I'll be home in two weeks. Uh, Eyes Wide Open says just the right balance of humor and news. Refreshing. Scott says Rob Carson is great. More of him, please. And Kimberly says I love this guy. Great newscaster. I am so not a newscaster, and I certainly am not a, uh, a journalist. Don't even say the J word around because I'm not, not that, not that. I'm just here to talk about uh, what's going on in the news, give you my take, and maybe occasionally make you laugh. There you go. Okay. So if you want to download the Newsmax app, that would be huge. Just go to your uh, your cellular telephonic device and, and look up Newsmax apps. That's pretty much how it's done. It's kind of cool. 
Then if you want to check out your favorite shows, whether that be Chris Salcedo or Grant Stinchfield or uh, Greg Kelly or whatever, just go to NewsmaxTV.com, NewsmaxTV.com, and, of course, this podcast, NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast, and we'll take you to all of the platforms it's being distributed on. It's all over. It's bad. It's nationwide. And now it's international. How cool is that? Guys, have a glorious day. Thank you for joining me. Please share with others, and uh, God bless you. And God bless America, to be quite honest. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, I will see you. You will hear me. In the meantime, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.